Welcome to a special episode of Fireside Chats with Erin. I'm the president of the Canada Grains Council and the host of this podcast. Today's conversation is the first in a series of two, focused on the topic of plant breeding innovation from the farmer's perspective. Plant breeding innovation is shaping the future of agriculture, not just in Canada, but around the world. Gene editing, or as this new technology is known in the European Union, new genomic techniques, or NGTs, have sparked lively debate here in Canada, but are also a hot button issue in the European Union. Contrary to some misconceptions, many European farmers are keenly interested in adopting these innovations to enhance sustainability, improve yields, and tackle climate change. Joining us for this timely conversation is Lennart Nielsen. He is the chair of the Copacajaca Working Group for Oilseeds and Protein Crops. And for those of you who may be unfamiliar with the association, Copa and Kajeka is the united voice of farmers and agriculture cooperatives in the EU, and they represent over 22 million European farmers and their families. And Lennart is one of those farmers. He's joining us today from his farm in Sweden to shed light on the European farmers' perspective on NGTs. And our aim is to provide a balanced view on how NGTs are being received across the pond and what their implications could be for the future of global agriculture. Lenart, thank you for stopping by for a fireside chat. Yeah, thank you for having the possibility. It's a pleasure. Why don't you start by giving us a a sense of your farming operation? Tell us a bit about what you grow and and what your farm in Sweden is like. Yeah, we have a mixed farm that's quite common here in Northern Europe. It's situated on the middle of the Swedish west coast, mid between Gothenburg and uh, Malmö. We grow uh, wheat, barley, oil seeds and uh, forage for our beef cattle. We have a Charlet pure breed herd and we also have some contracting business. We have some forest in the family also. So it's it's a mixed farm. I had an opportunity with my colleague Krista Thomas to travel to Prince Edward Island a couple of weeks ago for a conference that I'd never attended previously, the North America EU Agriculture Conference. I believe it takes place every two years. And there for the first time, I had the opportunity to interact with some of the leaders from COPA and Kajeka. So I wondered if you could give us a sense of the organization, just provide some additional information about the association. Yeah, as you said, it unites the European farmers and the farm cooperatives. Uh, the different member states of the union has their organizations that are joined in COPA and Kusheka. COPA is the, the what you could say the farm side, and Kusheka is the cooperative side. Uh, we have uh, the work is divided into working parties and in one of the working parties for foil seed and and protein crops I'm uh, the chairman we have working parties for all the different uh, commodities but then it's also uh, what we call the presidium where, where the top meetings are and I'm also part of the cooperative part the Kosheka presidia so as you said, it unites 22 million farmers and 22,000 uh, farm, uh, farming cooperatives, everything from small, very small local cooperatives to uh, big multi-European like Ala Foods. So it's a diary that's active in Sweden, Denmark and so on. So it's everything from small cooperatives to bigger ones. 
And we tried to talk with the United Voice against, especially the politicians at the European level. Excellent. I can appreciate the challenges there and the opportunities, certainly in coordinating those efforts across across the EU. I want to dive into the subject at hand and ask you a question about, um, you know, the European Union right now is in the middle of launching an ambitious environmental policy in the Green New Deal, as well as the farm to fork strategy. In your view, how do new genomic techniques fit in to these plans? New genomic techniques is only one small part of, of this whole ambitious Green Deal, as you said. Green Deal is the overview of, of uh, Europe being climate neutral to 2050. There are several goals aiming for 2030. And uh, every area of society is affected, also farming. They call that strategy farm to fork. Uh, we are also affected by a strategy called the biodiversity strategy. And in short, it's a strategy where they try to achieve environmental and climate goals by uh, ambitious goals of, of lower use of uh, pesticides, fertilizers, taking land out of use. It, it's a very, what you could call, defensive strategy. Uh, from the farmer side, we first thought that this could really be good for farmers because green deal and, and, and climate ambitions farmers have a natural part in that but instead it this will probably mean a, a reduction of production of quite big numbers we have some, some impact assessment that says up to 20 25 percent reduction and then uh, if we talk for example about arable crops and cereals and so we'll go go from exporters to importers so uh, NGTs could, of course, play an important role to, to milder some of the effects. Uh, uh, new genomic techniques and, and plant breeding in the, in the wide variety uh, gives us better tools to, to meet some of the challenges when we get less herbicides, when we get to use lower amounts of, of nitrogen, etc. So they could be a part in, in meeting those new demands. I appreciate that perspective. Thanks, Lenart. And, and grower organizations like yours, like Copacajeca, as well as the European Council of Young Farmers, have expressed support for NGTs. Why, why do you think this view is, is held by farmers across the EU? If we back to 2019, when the court of European Court of Justice uh, <clears throat> said that NGTs are uh, to be uh, handled like GMOs, no GMO has not been uh, uh, available uh, for us farmers in, in Europe because it, it could be, but then the, the, all the, the things that you need to do, get, the, get them approved and so on, are so complicated. So in, in practically, we had a got to G. So we saw the possibility to with NGTs, uh, and we have a lot of, of uh, companies working with uh, new breeding techniques in Europe so we saw a lot of possibilities to, to catch up a little bit with the, the less competitiveness we have because we don't have the GMOs. So when 2019, when this was stopped by the Court of Justice, we were very disappointed. A lot of farmers saw at that time possibilities. So we have worked now for four years 
to get a good proposal. And now we finally get it. And, and we, we see new challenges all the time. We, we uh, It's not only climate, we have more extreme weathers. We have uh, uh, seen that the growing borders getting more and more north. For example, in my area, uh, winter oil seeds were not possible 30 years ago. Today, that's a common crop. Uh, so, so we see that and that's not only climate, that's also about that the, the plant breeding had been successful. But we, as society goes faster and faster, we see the need also for faster plant breeding. So how do NGTs, in your view, intersect with organic farming in, in, in the EU, particularly given some of the limitations with respect to the use of the techniques in organic farming? Uh, this proposal that now is up to debate about allowing NGTs has really been a, a, a big debate amongst organic farmers because more traditional organic farmers, they don't want it. They see it as a threat to, 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 to their production and they also often link it with patents on, on crops and so on. So they say no. Younger, more modern uh, organic farmers are a little bit more positive, but the, the view today from, from the organic farming side is that they don't want it, and thus the European Commission uh, is not allowing NGTs in the organic rules. And okay. from, from the wider farming perspective, we think it's a little bit a pity because we also see possibilities for the organics. Sure. So what other challenges or drawbacks do you anticipate with respect, Lennart, to the adoption of, of NGTs, especially given the EU Commission's new regulatory proposal? Yeah, the proposal is is a little bit restrictive. They, they class uh, uh, plant breeding uh, plants in, in uh, category one, then it's only mutagenesis, uh, new genomic techniques. And uh, there, they, they have quite open view and you, you must remember that if you work only in mutagenesis inside the plant, you can't trace it. So that's an important message. You, we could probably have this on the shelves in the stores and so on. In, in uh, group two, it's more complicated, more like GMO, if you work with transgenetics or cisgenetics. So, uh, or they also class herbicide resistance. And that's because of the debate, public debate, especially from NGOs, I think. Uh, so, so that's, but, but I think acceptance for, for uh, new genomic techniques in Europe has a little bit opened up. We had both the Nobel Prize for CRISPR-Cas. That was one milestone. The other one was that uh, most of the COVID vaccines were developed using CRISPR-Cas. So people see the possibilities of what you could achieve with this new modern genomic technique. So, so I've, I think it's it helps us to get this. Thank you. So what impact, maybe final question for you, what impact do you think NGTs are going to have on the competitive position of European agriculture in the global marketplace? Yeah, hopefully uh, it will help us to... to, to uh, be in place. We already see today uh, examples uh, of, of uh, 
for example, that uh, in potato where you have this problem with fungus, fungus and sprays a lot with fungicides, less use of, of fungicide treatments. Uh, we also have a help. We work in my working group a lot with protein crops, and we see that we could maybe get better quality on the protein in in beans and in in peas and so on. So I think we both could see better products, but also less environmental and climate impact for crops. And of course, that will in the end benefit the farmer and to be more competitive as in the, in the big world you know you you talked about the need of the the need for these innovations right to come on come online quickly there is a sense of urgency just given the many benefits that they bring with them so what concerns now do you have with respect to the regulatory timeline that you're facing yeah the biggest concern we have is that there is an election now in the, to the european parliament next summer and uh, normally uh, the first half year of election year, there's no decisions taken. So we hope really that we will see decision this fall. Otherwise, we are afraid it could take a few years more. Uh, that's the biggest concern we have because we see a bit wide acceptance from the politicians in this parliament for this. Okay, I wondered about that. Are you seeing the momentum moving in the right direction then for this? Yeah, but you're I think we do. That could change with an election. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we will get maybe a new parliament that looks more into food security than in the environmental and climate deals. We have this unsecure world around us now that's coming quite close. So hopefully we will get even more acceptance for questions like this. Yeah, absolutely. We're not without our challenges right now. And certainly Europe has an important role to play in addressing some of those global challenges. So we'll, we'll be watching closely to see the outcome of that, but continue the good work that you're doing through your association with COPA and, and Kajeka in that regard. And I want to thank you very much for your time today and for the conversation. And thank all of you for joining us for this special edition of Fireside Chats with Aaron. Now, please be sure to check up our check out our follow-up conversation, this time in French with a farmer and Copacajeca leader from France. I hope you found this episode as thought-provoking as I did. You can connect with us through Twitter at CDA Grain Council to stay up to date on all of the work that we're doing and stay connected with us for more engaging conversations like this that delve into the heart of the grain industry. You can catch us on your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. Just search for Fireside Chats with Aaron and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time.